stand with me? Lord, we are in need of a word. We thank you for the devotion, the worship. We thank you for your grace and your mercy for those who exercise their gifts, Sunday school, teaching, the ministry of singing, food pantry, the ushers, the men, the women, every place here, those that work quietly behind the scenes, those who help with the projector, just everything. We can't and don't want to take people's gifting for granted. So we say thank you to them and thank you for gifting people. We honor you today for the privilege of gathering here. We worship you in spirit and in truth. Now we pray today that you will bless us to have ears to hear, that we will give attention to what the Lord is saying. May we walk out what you have called us to walk out. May we respond appropriately to the mighty word of God. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think one of the most honest people that will give up and give a testimony when she does something wrong is Letitia. <laughs> I tell you, that takes something. I'm going to say, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> For her, the Lord said, uh-uh. <laughs> I'm going to be doing quite a bit of reading. I'm going to read the passages, uh, the passage from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 1. Through three, then I'm going to read First uh, Kings chapter 21, verses 1 through 16 for the context. All right, so, so and I'm going to be reading some other passages as well. All right, so Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, as we're going through Ecclesiastes, that's um, the book that we are in now, and I've been using and going to other books of the Bibles, Bible as part of the messages. I, I want you to know that the Bible is still relevant today. The Bible is still relevant in the lives of the people and the church today. Never let anybody tell you that the Bible is old-fashioned and out of date. It might be old-fashioned, but it's in date. And so I want you to always remember that you must and need to read, you need to read the Word of God and do what it says. This is what it says out of the ESV, Ecclesiastes, beginning chapter 4, verse 1. Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed. And they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought, the dead who are already dead more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been and has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. Turn with me to the book of First Kings chapter 21. First Kings chapter 21. I'm going to read the first 16 verses. I'm going to just read this for the context of what, what I've read in 
are for, I should say, an addition of what I've read in Ecclesiastes. And this is what it says in 1 Kings 21, beginning in verse 1. Now Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And after this, Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near my house. And I will give you a better vineyard for it. Or, if it seems good to you, I will give you its value and money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. And Ahab went into his house, vexed and sullen because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had said to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so vexed that you eat no food? And he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if it please you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said to him, Do you now govern Israel? Arise and eat bread, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his, his seal. And she sent the letters to the elders and the leaders who lived with Naboth in his city. And she wrote in the letters, proclaim a fast, and set Naboth at the head of the table, at the head of the people. And set two worthless men, some of your Bible may say scoundrels, set two worthless men opposite him, and let them bring a charge against him, saying, You have cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. And the men of the city, the elders and the leaders who lived in his city, did as Jezebel had said, had sent word to them. As it was written in the letters, all right, as it was, let me go back and read verse 11. And the men of the city, the elders and the leaders who lived in his city, did as Jezebel had sent word to them. As it was written in the letters that she had sent to them, they proclaimed a fast and set Naboth, and set Naboth at the head of the people. And the two worthless men came in and sat opposite him, and the worthless men brought a charge against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned. He is dead. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money. For Naboth is not alive but dead. And as soon as Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, Ahab arose to go down to the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, to take possession of it. 
As a title, I am given this message, Using My Power to Do Evil. Using My Power to Do Evil. Uh, Solomon's observations not only showed the evil, the evilness of the heart of people during his time that he lived, it, it, we noticed that it also continues centuries later. People have not changed from the time of Solomon, before Solomon, even, even today. And Solomon's observations, remember, He's looking at what's the real meaning of life, and he's gone on a quest to test everything. In his observation, he noted that many people who have power use it to abuse the oppressed. People will use their power to abuse the oppressed. In his search for the meaning of life by observation as well as testing things, this really bothered him. All of the power was on the side of the oppressors. People did not go to the defense of people. He did not like that there was nobody coming to the aid of the oppressed. He observed this as a note. The two most vulnerable people in the New Testament, as well as the old word, the widows, as well as children. Solomon concludes that if one is subjected to constant oppression, he would say that, man, it would be better that, when, that to be gone off the scene than to constantly have to go through this over and over again. This is the conclusion that he reaches. And, and he's talking not about eternity, but just what happens under the sun. Point number one, trying to seize the inheritance without just cause. Trying to receive, trying to seize the inheritance without just cause. In Leviticus chapter 25, verse 23, Leviticus chapter 25, verse 23. This is what it says. The land shall not be sold in perpetuity, for the land is mine. For you are strangers and sojourners with me. Also, Numbers chapter 36, verse 7. Numbers chapter 36, verse 7. The inheritance of the people of Israel shall not be transferred from one tribe to another. Every one of the people of Israel shall hold on to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. Naboth understood the importance of God's word, and no amount of money, no amount of or portion of other land offered to him would he allow to enter into his mind? He was not going to sell the inheritance that was given to him. It was to be passed on down their family's line. In fact, when you consider the fact when the Lord says, I'm going to bring you into the promised land, and I'm going to give you land, each of the tribes was given 
a lot, and they were not to sell it. The Lord says that the land doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me. He says, you are only what? Stewards of what belongs to me. Do you know what a steward is? A steward is someone who doesn't own anything, but just manages it. Some of us think that we own everything. We don't own anything. You are a manager of what God owns. This earth belongs to him, and it belongs to him solely. You are a manager. You, you, you can't claim rights to it. I know we try to, but it is. And so we find that Ahab wanted to what? He wanted to take Naboth's plot because he wanted to make a vegetable garden. There are four things I want you to quickly note about this first part here in point one, trying to see the inheritance. One, we note that we note that Ahab made an improper request as the land did not belong to him. That was an improper request. The second thing we noted is that he pouted like a child, went home and refused to eat, got on his bed and turned his head to the wall. What's wrong with you, king? I can't have neighbor plot of land. I want it. It's something when, when you want something that does not belong to you. The third thing that we note under this is that Jezebel was not part of the inheritance of God's people, and she responded as such by plotting an evil scheme and having other leaders get involved and, and participate in her evil scheming. She was not part of it. She was not part of the fact when God says that the land doesn't belong to you, you are only a stranger in this land, a sojourner, and you are a steward. It cannot be sold from tribe to tribe. In the culture in which she grew up, and of the kings, they didn't ask you, what you if they could have your land. They would just simply come and take it. They were the king. I want it. I'll take it. And this is the way that she is responding. And the fourth thing that we noted, note here is that neighbor's field was seized through violence. Number one. Number one, we note that Ahab made an improper request. The improper request made by Ahab did not honor the word of the Lord that God gave to the children of Israel that he had given the land to the people. And as part of their inheritance, it was not to be sold. You don't have a right to take your body. You don't have a right to take your life and just do what you want to do with it. It doesn't belong to you. The temple in which God dwells belongs to him. He dwells belongs to him. The fact of the matter is that when we understand that we are made in the image of the almighty God, the fact that we need to understand that God made us for himself, it already shows you don't belong to yourself. And somehow people think that they can do what they want to do with themselves, their body, just go ahead and just live crazy. You are going to pay the price. For how you live. Now, there are times when you might eat all the collard greens and green beans and salads, the baked the chicken, don't eat anything fried, and you still might get sick and not your body may suffer. But that, but the, but the issue is that if you take care of yourself, God will take care of your body. If you don't down the road, you're gonna have some problems. The fact of the matter, you're gonna get older anyway. So why add to all the stress? 
do right and live good. It was understood that they were stewards, and stewards are managers, and therefore they needed to understand that when they were in the land, they were to take care of the land. They couldn't just say, well, I'm going to just give this land over to you. No, God said it doesn't belong to you. And the fact of the matter goes, it transfers down the line in each of the generations so that the children, down to the children, because what God says, I'm giving you an inheritance. So Ahab did not have a right to come and try to get his land. It was an improper request. When you try to seize things which belongs to God, you're going to have to answer to him. Some of you have been seizing your own life for the longest. You're going to have to answer one day to God. The second thing that we note about him is that he went home and he sulked. He pouted. When we don't get what we want, we oftentimes will pout. We oftentimes want people to know that we're not happy. How did Jezebel know? Because he had his mouth stuck out. You don't want to suffer by yourself. You want people to know, I'm not feeling well. He suffered and, and, and he's pouted because why? He couldn't get the piece of land that he wanted to put some vegetables there to have them grow. Can't I have your plot of land so I, it's right next to my house. I want it so that I can make some, have some, you know, plant some vegetables. The neighbor says, no, 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 no. This inheritance was given to us by God, and I'm not going to pass it on. There are times when the enemy wants to come in and steal what God has given you. And here we are like, go ahead and take it, Satan. I'm all yours. No, no, how are you going to take what God has given you? And we just sometimes just roll over. We don't fight at all. We've got to learn to fight for what God has given us. Satan is fighting for you. Your life, you're in a battle here. Somehow we feel that everything should be wonderful and peaceful. No, this is a battle. You are at war. And when you're at war, you don't lay your weapons down. Some of y'all lay the Bible down, prayer down. Everything that you need to be able to make it in this life. And just rolled over. Just go and just do what you want, Satan, to me. No! You are a child of the Almighty King. And so we find that Ahab is sulking and he's refusing to eat. And he wants everyone to know. It was Nahab, it was Naboth, who understood the importance of the inheritance. The third thing that we know is that Jezebel was of another nation. And she did not value nor respect God's laws nor his people. As I mentioned, other kings basically just took what they wanted. And this is the framework that she's coming to. When she came home and saw um, King Ahab on the bed, said, what is wrong with you? Aren't you the king? What are you talking about? He won't give you. Give, give me your signet ring. I'll take care of everything. And here goes Jezebel. She wrote letters in his name. Now, I want you to keep in mind what Solomon said. He said that there, the power was on the side of of those who were oppressing. And so not only now did King Ahab and Jezebel have power, she then sent letters in the king's name to the place where Naboth lived, to the leaders there. And who is going to deny and try to say no to Jezebel? 
Even Elijah got up and left town when she says, I'm coming after you. And so she wrote this letter, and they complied with her. They complied to frame an innocent man. It's sad that when you can get witnesses to comply with the lie that you've set up, trying to say somebody else did it when you're the one that's been at fault. Why did she say two? Turn in your Bibles with me. Why two witnesses? Numbers chapter 35, verse 30. 35, verse 30. If anyone kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death on the evidence of witnesses. But no person shall be put to death on the testimony of one witness. It was by law that whenever a person was accused or where the death penalty was to be imposed, it could never be based on the testimony of just one person. So here Jezebel, she says, I want you to find two scoundrels, two people that are up to no good, to say that they've heard him curse God and the king. You see, because it was a crime punishable by death if a person was to kill or to curse God. You would die. The Lord said that his name is holy. I'm here to tell you that there are going to be a lot of people who if they fail to repent, that is taking God's name in vain, that one day will have to give account to taking his name in vain. So she devised an evil plan. Alright? And, and, and it was her intent to carry it out, and she did. The fourth thing that we note, it was through violence that they took his field. It was through violence. Through violence that she took his field. Now, what most people, some people may not know is that Naboth was not the only one. Now, I want you to know, we read the story. She set everything up, and the people took him outside of the city and stoned him. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Second Kings. Second Kings. Second Kings chapter 9. And I know I'm not, I may not be able to finish this today, but we'll see. Second Kings chapter 9, verse 26. As surely as I saw yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons, declares the Lord, I will repay you on this plot of ground. Now, therefore, take him up and throw him on the plot of ground. This is Jehu who came back to avenge and who took over and killed, I believe it was Ahab, and threw him. What many people don't realize is not only was Naboth killed, but his sons were also killed at the time of what Jezebel did. Why? Because the property would go to them. So you remove anybody that's in line or succession to receive it. And so she wiped out his family so there would be no heirs to the property. You see, the enemy is not only interested in destroying you. He wants your family as well. King Ahab's response of soaking like a kid when someone said to him, no, you can't have it. His attitude changed when his wife said, it's done, go get your field. I'm not going into the next part because that's not part of my message when he's confronted with the lot by Elijah. But I want you to note that, that God ultimately sees 
what's happening. There was nobody on the side of Naboth and his son because they what, had no power. Solomon notes that, that it, we see it even today in our world. Oftentimes when people may be abused because they have no power. The second thing that I want us to note, point number two, trying to drown out the truth. Trying to drown out the truth. The second thing that we note in regards to our study over in the book of Acts chapter 7, we note that Stephen, one of the deacons, is about to be killed, and he is given this incredible message. I'm going to pick up at verse 51 of Acts chapter 7. Just the end part of Acts 7. This is what it says, 7, 51 through 54, and then I'm going to read verse 58. So Acts chapter 7, 51, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it, now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. Verse 58. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. When we consider Ahab and Naboth, Ahab was upset because of what he saw and could not have. And in this passage, we have people upset and angry and rageful because of what they've heard. One saw something and couldn't have and got upset. Now we have an individual or a group of people hearing something that makes them angry. And it still leads them to have murderous thoughts in their lives and in their hearts. The truth has a peculiar effect on people. In the, case of, in the case of Stephen, truth caused Stephen to be stoned and lose his life. Like Naboth, the power was in the hands of his oppressors. One thing about truth, even when the words have ended, the speaking and the ringing out of truth still will run through your mind. Do you not know that you cannot unhear what you've already heard you, you can't have something said. She says, oh, I can't hear that. When the judge says, the jury will disregard that last statement. They already heard it. What you hear does have an influence. It influences you. There are times when people say, well, I don't listen to the words of that song. I just listen to the beat. That ain't the truth. You do hear it. It's going into your mind. And it's playing at night when you're trying to go to sleep. That one line going through and through. Stop it, I want to sleep. Kids telling you what they're not hearing. They're hearing it. You'd be surprised what kids here at the house. You walk somewhere and they repeat in their game that they play what you just said. They got that from you last night when you said it. You know, where they get that from? Where they get that language? They heard you say it. 
kids will pick it up. And they'll say it at the most inopportune times. We have this group of people here that hate Stephen so much that they're willing to kill him because of the word that he speaks. I, I want you to note something here. Truth is meant to help change you. Do you know truth don't really care about how you feel? I'm not talking about people saying things. I'm saying truth, the raw truth. It just says, here is what truth is. This is it. Take it or leave it. You can't change it. But truth is truth. I know people would rather believe a lie than the truth. That, 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 will, that messes with my, what I believed all my life. Don't tell me that. I've always believed this. Well, it was a lie back then, and it's a lie today. There are certain things that need to shake us up and change us from the inside out. And we want to continue to believe a lie when truth is ringing out. Here's truth. I don't want to see the truth. And we need to understand that God is truth. His word is truth. It doesn't come to make you feel all good and all Give me only the passage that speaks of love and tenderness. Ain't going to do much for you when you were living in sin. We need truth. We need to change our lives. We need our lives changed, I should say, by the word of God. The next thing that we note as I bring this to a conclusion is the third example is the Bible says that when Stephen is being stoned, they laid their feet. They're, they're, they're close at the feet of a person by the name of Saul. In Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, this is what it says. And I'll bring this to an end for today. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Saul hated Christians. He hated people that was known the people of the way. And with the power that he had and the powers that he was given by the chief priests and the officials, they sanctioned him to go to Damascus to what? To bring back the people that had got to run because they said, Saul is coming. And they ran to Damascus and ran to various places. And his goal was to bring them back, try them, and kill them. Why? Because he didn't like the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. The oppression and homicidal actions of these oppressors, oppressors clearly show the danger of being in the clutches of individuals so out of control. There are people out of control today, and you need to understand that people that are out of control, people that, that don't like truth, they can be dangerous. Why? Because they'll do anything to try to stop it. It was Saul who was so intent in destroying the Christians that the Christians scattered, as they had no one to come to their defense except one, and that is God. I want you to know it makes no difference what someone, someone may try to do. God is the one who is the ultimate victor. And I want you to understand this today. 
that even though oppression may be happening and those that have power and the oppressors, one day they're going to have to answer to the king of glory. We should be very careful not to use our powers to do evil because you ultimately, ultimately must give an account to the almighty God. Amen. And the Lord bless you. You bow your heads and stand with me, please. Today, we need to recognize that Solomon was grieved what he saw during his time. And if there's a person that decides and wants you to be a part of some evil scheming, you need to just leave and go your own way. Don't do it. You gotta be careful how you use the influence that you have. You need to use your influence for good and not for evil. Today, God, as we prepare to leave this place, it is our prayer and desire that you will be honored and glorified, that you will take this word and that it will penetrate our inmost being, our very core, our heart, that we will be a people that remembers. That ultimately, we belong to you. That we really are just stewards down here. We honor you today for your goodness and your love and your grace and your glory and your mercy. Would you be with us and bless us as we leave today? Our prayer is that you will be glorified and honored. We thank you for your goodness and your righteousness. And give your name all the glory and praise. Have your divine way in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. See you later this week.